Over the regular season, the Vikings have had a lot of recurring problems, and I'm sure the Giants are well aware of them. So here is how the Vikings can approach those problems on Sunday in Wild Card Weekend so they don't get killed. You like that on three, one, two, three. You, like it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As always, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. You can also find this show on Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Minnesota Sports app. And thank you so much to the sponsor of today's episode, which is Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You can just pick two to five of your favorite players. And if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on entry. First time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Today on the show is usually when we would go really deep into film review of the previous game, but because it's the Bears game, and I think the energy on it is a little low, uh, nobody really needs to go over how Nick Mullins did in the second half and Ryan Connolly made one good run stop and stuff like that. Um, But there are things we can learn from that Bears game, and we can still sort of track the trajectory of the Vikings um, as they used that as something of a get-right game. They went in for the first half, had to get some things squared away, had to figure out some of their concepts, get a good rep down on some of the things that they just couldn't run in Lambeau, and uh, sort of get that, get their feet back under them after what happened in Lambeau Field, both figuratively and literally. (laughs) Uh, So I want to talk about that stuff, in particular, what the Vikings did against two high looks, how the Giants uh, have approached the Vikings in, in their christmas eve game uh and trying to attack the backup center which we might have um i had some updates on that as well and if we can get to it we'll get into some defensive stuff as well um but what i want to start on the offensive side of the ball i think that one is just a little more interesting to me right now um the defense sort of is what it is but offensively i guess i'll start with this the vikings are looking at starting to back up o-linemen Garrett Bradbury's status notwithstanding. We'll see if he's practicing on Wednesday. You might know more about than me, about that than me, depending on when you listen to this. Um, but he will. The, O'Connell did say that they'll try to get him out there and, and practice, whether the media sees it or whatever. It will tell us a little bit about just how far along he is um, and that they're optimistic for getting him back for the playoffs. But that can be nebulous. That can mean they're optimistic for getting him back next week if they make it that far, right? Um, so penciling it in for now to backup linemen. You have only Udo no matter what. That's locked in, and then it's either Chris Reed or Garrett Bradbury. So when it was Schlotman for the Giants game, they attacked him in a way that I found very interesting. I thought it was a really interesting idea because it sort of created this anti-synergy in the way that the Giants play. So let me explain. Um, They took Dexter Lawrence, who is usually their one technique when they are in four down sets, when they're in your classic four, three, a three tech and a nose tackle, right? Dexter Lawrence, who played that nose tackle, usually you line him up between the center and the guard, but he would shade further inside. So he would shade over the center a little bit more, which would put him right in the center's face on pass reps. 
and on runs that were uh, away from Dexter Lawrence, it would make it that much harder for the center to get a good uh, reach on him, right? Now, runs toward Dexter Lawrence, it gives Schlotman a little bit of a head start, uh, and the way that it's sort of anti-synergized, and I've got a zone coverage article that has visuals for this too. If you're more of a visual person, go read that because if, if I lose you here. But I talked a lot about the B-gap bubble. Um, if you think about it, it, with four down linemen, there must be a an uncovered gap or two, right? That you have to kind of have a linebacker walk up to and line up off the ball, and it kind of creates this sort of soft spot in the front. Usually that's the B-gap, where if you have a three-tech on one side, the side you don't have a three-tech on, that B-gap is undefended, and it's a bubble. Um, and running into that bubble is kind of part of offensive coordinator's job, is to find out how to get run plays into that bubble, into that more weakly defended part, so that your linemen have an easier job. You know, Ezra Cleveland or Ed Ingram would be uncovered and can just climb right up to a linebacker. They don't have to do anything, you know, don't have to beat Dexter Lawrence for that, right? Um so when Dexter Lawrence is on the side of the B-gap bubble, running into the B-gap bubble is a disadvantage against him. That's what I'm trying to get at here. So that was interesting. And then if you put that on the same side as Kayvon Thibodeau, who loves to line up at that wide nine, the Giants love to put him way out on the moon where, I mean, he's a fast guy, right? So put him way out there. He, he cleans up the space really quickly and he uses all of that space to force the tackle to be faster than he can be particularly effective against a guy like Oli Udo, who doesn't have that range that a, that a Christian Derrissaw does, who doesn't have those, like Derrissaw can really get out there, get in your face really fast. Oli Udo, that's one of the reasons he's not a starter, is that he's not getting out there, and so speed rushers can get around him. So you put uh, Thibodeau out on the moon over Oli Udo and say, get around him to the quarterback. I'm really worried about that. That's a matchup that certainly favors the Giants. Um, but if they're going to do that, and the B, if the B-gap bubble is on that side, which has more to do with strong and weak than it does with left and right for uh, for the defense. So as soon as you see whether they're preferring like over or under fronts today, and if I'm going up against the Vikings, I would prefer under fronts. Under fronts are better against weak side runs. Over fronts are better against strong side runs. And the Vikings love to run weak, so give me the under. Um, but you, you kind of have to do the first two drives to see really where the Giants come out. You can't really know that going in. Um, but after you see that, I would just put TJ Hawkinson on whatever side makes it so that the B-gap bubble is on Ole Udo's side. And if that means that you've got Kayvon Thibodeau way wide, you have Dexter Lawrence way far inside, and one linebacker who might be covering like a gap and a half now um, of just like space, and you can run into that. I think that that is an opportunity to exploit the way the Giants have played def have played and, and exploit the way that they're using their best players. This isn't like taking a player and hoping he plays poorly. This is exploiting the way that Wink Martindale is defending the run, or at least the way he did against the Vikings. And then he has to change it if he doesn't want this to happen to him, right? And that also advantages the Vikings because that means he is not trying to leverage the Ole Udo, Kayvon Thibodeau matchup or the... Uh, Dexter Lawrence matchup on whoever plays center, right? If you can force Wink Martindale to stop leveraging those matchups, then you've kind of won in a different way. That is sort of where I want the this game to go, and I wanted to make that point first. You don't really, you didn't really see a lot that applied to it in the Bears game, but that I think is a more important point to make. But with the Bears game, um, you kind of saw what you 
think you would would have saw seen from Oli Udo and, and Chris Reed. Um, Chris Reed had a, a lovely physical game, and I really, I mean, he really had Armand Watts on sl- uh, as a blocking sled, like a lot of times, and that was awesome. But he still does that thing that bugs me, that uh, when he gets into the second level, he is trying to blow a guy up, and it looks like he's trying to be Christian Derrissaw, and he's not. Um, you know, when Derrissaw gets his hands on a guy, he can just blow that dude up and put him on the ground and just Im- eliminate him from the play. With Chris Reed, he'll do that, but the punch isn't strong enough and the player can survive, and now suddenly they've shed your block and they can go make a tackle. And if you seal a guy off and just push him instead of trying to explode him, just get your hands on him and lock him and then drive him backward, um, I think that that Chris Reed would be a much better player if he, he got into that habit, I think. Um, and then from Oli Udo, you saw those same range issues. You saw a really bad TFL that came in. Uh, I believe there was some pressure that came in on his side because of that. So you, you see what you think you're going to see from these guys. And we know who these guys are uh, by this point in their careers. So we'll see if the Giants do line up to exploit it. Because if they do line up the way they need to line up to exploit those players, there is a pretty potent counterpunch in the run game that the Vikings can go for and it's not that fancy it's zone right like out to mid zone right <laughs> is it's a staple so I, i'm hoping that um the vikings can sort of mitigate that by by punishing those exploits um i also want to talk about justin jefferson and oh where to go the last two weeks that kind of thing um because the vikings i think got enough reps out of the of what they need to get to reactivate <laughs> Justin Jefferson and get him going for this playoff game. Uh, before I get into any of that, though, it is the new year. The year has turned over, and that means it's time to start thinking about your taxes. And I know that can get super stressful. I am absolutely a tax procrastinator, a protaxinator. <laughs> if you you don't, if you will, but don't. Uh, <laughs> but that's what TurboTax is for. TurboTax, you can just log on to a video meeting with a TurboTax expert. You can sit back, put your feet up, and they'll do everything for you, start to finish, and they will ensure that your taxes are done right. It feels good to be done with your taxes, and all you have to do is sit there while they do it all for you. So come to TurboTax and just don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Intuit TurboTax. Full-service products only. Video meeting while expert does your taxes is required. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. I also want to talk to you about my new favorite phone game. It is Ultimate Football GM. Uh, if you're the kind of person that loves the team management part of football, the roster building, uh, cap, trying to figure out the right trades, hire the right coaches, the draft, and all of that stuff, if you're like an off-season maven, and I know a bunch of you are, this is the game for you. I can't put this thing down. We have a little league in Locked On with like all the other Locked On hosts. It's a great time. Uh, Locked On Vikings listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when you use the promo code Locked On in the game store. That's Locked On in all caps. So make sure you check it out today. To download the game, you just go to ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app store. That's ultimate-gm.com or just look up Ultimate Football GM on the app store. Start your dynasty today. Thanks again for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out the Locked On NFL podcast. Talking about coach firings a lot right now. You can find me with Ross Jackson on there um, on Tuesdays, but they have a daily show covering all things in the wide world of the NFL. Also, check me out on Patreon. Uh, you can find, I'm, I'm going to do something with about Tonga. It's Tonga time <laughs> this week. 
And I'll do a whole bunch about the wild card game as well afterwards. So find me at patreon.com slash LukeBronNFL. One of the things that is worth engaging with, though, is uh, two beaters. So the Vikings struggled a whole bunch in Lambeau, and we covered it ad nauseum, with half safety looks or cover two looks on one side, on Jefferson's side. The idea is you put a safety over the top so that if Jair Alexander, um, you know, it's risky to jam, especially to jam as aggressively as he did, you can get beat deep. So put a safety over there so it doesn't matter if you get beat deep and you can jam with impunity. This is something that teams have done against the Vikings a lot, but it has to be a good corner. Teams have tried doing this. The Bears tried doing this, and they don't have a corner like Jair Alexander, so the jams just get missed, and then the Vikings can run two beaters. Was, I think it was really important that they ran a bunch of two beaters to Jefferson's side and just get a good rep on all of them just to get yourself back into the rhythm of them and feeling like they're good plays, get your confidence back on them. And that's what they did against the Bears a lot in the first half is that they just ran, they just knew. And I think the Bears saw the, the Packers tape and said, well, we'll just live in cover two all day because that's what they did. Um. And it didn't work for the Bears. We went over it after the game. But, you know, five drives, all of them in scoring range. One fumble, one clock mishap. Otherwise, you would have gone five for five scoring. But if you go look at the the worst games the Vikings have had offensively, and the worst games Justin Jefferson has had, you'd go to the Eagles game, you'd go to the Week 3 Lions game, Cowboys, this last one at Lambeau. All of them have the other team using half looks, be it quarter-quarter half with half on one side or full-on halves cover two. Um, that is the way to do it, but you have to have a good, cor- you have to use your good corner as a cover two corner, which is this really counterintuitive feeling thing. Cause you remember Mike Zimmer saying you can find a cover two corner at seven 11. It is notoriously the easy, easiest job, but if you put a good player in an easy job, chances are you're going to, he's going to perform it at an elite level. Uh, and that's what, uh, that's what these teams have been able to do. And they've been able to stymie Jefferson that way. So you got to get out against the bears who don't have that guy. And for what it's worth, the Giants don't have that guy. So I don't think that this is something the Giants can just copy paste and say, all right, great. We got 20 yards out of Justin Jefferson. We get to win the game. But the Vikings kind of figured out what plays they can execute really, really well. And they got a bunch of them executed against uh, the Bears here, in particular stuff like corner routes, right? When you have an underneath player and a high player, you can just kind of have Justin Jefferson try to run a route between the two and see if he can't get space. And then if you put a flat player underneath, if you noticed like in the Bears game, why did CJ Ham get all those passes? It was kind of because of that, because the flat defender, the underneath guy was sinking really, really far to try to take space away from Jefferson. But that means that he was 12 yards back. So you just dump it off to the fullback and he walks up to a first down. Um, That particular play has been uh, the Vikings haven't been good enough at that play. Uh, in particular, Kirk Cousins has been rushing that play. I've talked about that a lot, and he has too. Uh, so it's, this isn't coming out of nowhere. But essentially, as the play develops, and you have a low route and a high route, those routes will diverge more over time, right? The, the higher guy gets higher, gets further away from the lower guy, right? And while there's, it's early in the play and they're still close, the corner can sort of midpoint between them. And if you throw hit he'll still be close enough to both routes to make a play. But eventually that will become impossible. Eventually the two routes get far enough apart. You have to wait for it to develop and force the cornerback to declare or force him to choose if he's going with the high route or the low route, depending on what the coverage is. He'll have that choice kind of predetermined for him, but you have to force him to make that that move and space himself accordingly. 
Cousins did a much better job in this Bears game of being patient and forcing that corner to do his job instead of midpointing, right? And that's why every time it seemed like every time CJ Ham got the ball, he had 10 yards of space in front of him and he could just walk up to a first down. It's because Cousins was able to be patient and wait. And of course, you got to block up for that. Um, but in situations, the Saints game is the one that comes to mind. But this, you get a play like this every other game, it seemed like this year, where if he rushed it, he would throw it to the check down or to the underneath guy, but the corner was still there to make the play. And he could kind of sink two steps. And Cousins would say, oops, sinking, I'm going to throw it. But he didn't actually force him to sink so much that he couldn't just still break on it. Um, I loved to see it. That is great. That is an awesome pitch. That is a counterpunch to one of the things that the Giants are absolutely going to use, considering the tape that they put out against Lambeau, uh, or against the Packers at Lambeau. If you go flip on the Cowboys tape, you'll see it. Flip on the Eagles tape, you'll see it. If the Giants come into this going, okay, who kicked the crap out of the Vikings? How do we do it? They are going to see the same answer over and over and over again. I would be stunned if we didn't see a whole bunch of half looks against uh, against us in wildcard weekend. And having that timing ironed out, that's been a problem all season. If the Vikings really do have that timing finally ironed out, then they can counterpunch what the Giants will walk into the stadium thinking is their silver bullet. And that rules. That is the way you win a wild card game. It's what I'm hoping, at least. I also want to jump to the defense for a quick moment before uh, the end of this show and talk about some of the emerging dudes. I, we've had uh, starters change in the middle of the season twice now, and or at least arguable starters. Uh, and that will also change the way the Vikings approach the Giants' offense, which is... A totally different puzzle. Uh, so we'll get to that. But first, let's talk about Daily Fantasy. And not Daily Fantasy in the dumb way that so many people do. That's like a whole lineup and a pool of 6,000 people and you'll never win. But the smart way. The prize picks way. Which is just you versus the house. Just the players you want to pick. You don't have to flesh out a whole roster just because you have a take about, you know, which quarterback's going to do well. And it also is a lot less awkward come playoff time. When you don't have the entire league to choose from, you can just pick two to five of your favorite players and whether or not they'll hit their prize picks projection. And if you're right, you can win up to 10 times your money. So head on over to prizepicks.com or download the app. And if you use promo code locked on, you get a 100% deposit match up to hundred bucks. That means if you get a hundred, you put in hundred bucks, you get hundred bucks slapped on top of it, put in 50, get 50 and so on. That's promo code locked on at prizepicks.com or with the prize picks app. It is super easy to play and is way smarter than normal daily fantasy. So go to prizepicks.com or get the prize picks app. Moving on to the defense. I mean, we've talked so much about the defense and I think I've sort of spoken my piece on who they need to be uh, for the Vikings to go on a run. And, and I really think that the way the Vikings have, have taken this, I mean, they were at a true crossroads after that Lions loss um, where they were sitting back in the same zone they had done all year and Jared Goff shredded them and they'd let like four quarterbacks in a row put up their season highs. They were getting shredded and they moved in the Colts game to man coverage. If you've been listening to this show, you already know this, but if you haven't been, or if you're just tuning in, cause they're in the playoffs, that's kind of the story of why the defense you're going to see their last in it. Second to last in total yards. They're like last in a bunch of more advanced metrics and stuff. If you look at their totals, their, their season totals. And that is because for 14 weeks of the year, they were doing the same soft zone, uh, and executing it pretty poorly, and it wasn't working. But they didn't really trust their corners to play man-to-man, -man, so they 
didn't really feel comfortable moving away from it. Well, then they decided to change that in week, I think it was 15, against the Colts. And even though they scored 36 in that game, a lot of that was defensive touchdowns and a punt block. Uh, there's a pick six and a punt block There's and short fields and stuff. It was That was a good defensive game despite the score. Um, and it was a lot of that was because the Vikings just were like, screw you, we're running cover one now. We're just going to be a cover one. We're just going to man cover. We're just going to have Patrick Peterson man cover. By then it was Duke Shelley who had this emergence uh, and he can man cover, and they felt better about that than they did when they started the season with Dantzler, now that they've got this guy that's sort of breaking out. Um, th- that has been better. Uh, got totally shredded a couple times if your dudes can't hold up, right? And the Giants were one of those times. Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins just killed Chandon Sullivan and Duke Shelley. Uh, it was not a good game for those guys. Not a good game for Patrick Peterson either. So they have to do better if we're going to come with the same game plan. But I think we are because the other option is to go back to the thing that was literally the worst defense in the league. (laughs) It's probably not a better option or run something they haven't run all year, which also is pretty unwise. If you haven't been practicing it all year, how do you, you don't know who's going to be comfortable, who isn't, who's going to screw up a whole bunch. Uh, That's just juggling with a grenade when you don't have to, you know, but among all that, is the crazy story of Duke Shelley. Of course, Duke Shelley got his really cool interception. He just played pretty well in the game. Um, I was pretty mad after the game about the the dogging the Velas Jones touchdown. Um, he was reaching out a little more than I thought on, on a slower look, so it's probably too hard on him for that. But I will still, like Jordan Hicks and Daniil Hunter both kind of let up and they didn't even look. Um, Cam Bynum just got killed by a fullback, so it was not exactly dogging it, but like, Jesus, dude, you got smoked. And that's kind of led to the touchdown and then some good footwork. Uh, But yeah, no, Duke Shelley, good game. No caveats. Um, The thing about Duke Shelley that is astounding to me is that he is five foot nine. I am taller than him and I'm a podcaster and (laughs) he runs a four, five 40. He is not like one of the least athletic cornerbacks we've seen in a long time, just from a pure god-given athleticism standpoint like just size and speed he just is like you just don't see this dude making it in the nfl or playing as well as he is but he has played better than bigger than he is and that's huge some guys just play bigger than they are they just have good a good catch radius they're just really good at timing out with the ball they're really good at boxing and positioning um on the wide receiver side famously stefan diggs six foot plays like he's six four on the corner side if you want uh, a very generous comparison. That's kind of how Antoine Winfield used to play. I mean, he was the same size. He played on the outside and he played way bigger than he is. Duke Shelley's not Antoine Winfield, um, but he's on that same stylistic path. And that is, I mean, like that's kind of what you're dealing with is this guy that's like, how are you staying with guys? Look at you. <laughs> it's awesome. It rules. He's got so much dog in him. He's planting the ball on the logo. I love it. Um, but what he is, why he's doing it, why this is successful, is that he's got the exact right amount of confidence. If you're too confident as a corner, this is Andrew Booth, you'll jump things, you'll be wrong all the time, you get killed. If you don't have enough confidence in a corner, you're Cam Dantzler. You're going to stay way off, you're going to let things get caught in front of you. It's like a Goldilocks thing with Duke Shelley. It's just right. And he has been able to, like, he knows exactly when to bail. He knows exactly what he can and can't get away with. And that means he can stay pretty tight, stay in phase, 
and you know, then you can get your head turned around, make plays on the ball, and he's good at that. He's just sort of on the right. It's like you're just in in the right flow, and it is being successful. And so I feel a little bit better about that with Man. That said, he did get beat by Chase Claypool inside for like a 18 yard gain, and he just got had to bail because he's just too slow to be able to push it any further than he did. He bailed and then they cut it off inside him and it was over. That's going to happen. He is going to give up catches as great of a story as he is. He's going to give up catches worried about Patrick Peterson who got burned down the field. He's going to give stuff up too. So you're going to give up passing in man coverage, probably going to be harder to get there consistently than it would be in the zone coverage thing that the Vikings have been playing. Um, or had been playing up until the, that Colts game. But it's that doesn't mean that, you know, they're just going to be totally clamps. They're going to get passing production, and you're going to have to score on them and keep up. So, I don't know. We're, we're, we're taking overs here. We're going we're gonna to keep slamming overs all day long with the Vikings. Um, and then the only other thing I want to talk about is Kyrie's Tonga. He is a starter now, as much as Jonathan Bullard was one. So, Jonathan Bullard had a bicep injury, went on IR, came back. He was healthy and ready to play in this game, and he did not get in until the fourth quarter. Similar to Cam Dantzler against the Packers, that kind of tells you, oh, oh, this is like really a starter. Kyrus Tonga came in when Jonathan Bullard went down. He has played excellently. He's incredibly powerful. He's sledding centers back, walking them back, like all those bad Garrett Bradbury reps you remember. Sam Mustafer in this game, just on skates. Uh, he, his hands are very, very quick. He has had just a few crucial disruptions. He gets his hand on the ball. He gets his hand on the quarterback. He was living in the backfield against the bears and he played the first three quarters. And then Jonathan Bullard came in. Now, if you were worried about Jonathan Bullard's health, then you wouldn't put him in for the most meaningless part of the game when you're already up two scores. And it's clear that both teams are kind of just trying to limp to the end with nobody getting hurt. Um, you wouldn't you wouldn't put him you would keep Tonga in and say, well, Bullard's the starter and we're just gonna keep him fresh. No. You put him in in the fourth quarter. And that to me says that Tonga has taken that job. So you're starting base defense when you have three defensive linemen out plus your two outside guys in Smith and Hunter, is Harrison Phillips, Dalvin Tomlinson, Kyrie's Tonga. And congratulations to him. He has absolutely earned that. Uh, James Lynch had it for a while when Bullard first went down, Tonga took it from Lynch and now he's taking the real job from Bullard. And that was the job that was supposed to be Armand Watts's job going into the season. So it's been, it's changed hands quite a bit, but I think they've found a dude here that can play like a big old nose, but he's also been fast enough and good enough at denying reaches quick enough, especially in his upper body, um, to actually be able to play that sort of four eye thing in other base fronts. So that's where we're at right now. Uh, we're going to talk to Pat Traina tomorrow on Crossover Thursday, and I'm going to see what she thinks of all the stuff I just talked about. I'm curious to see her thoughts. I'm sure she's got lots of questions for me too. So we'll do our crossover. We'll do our bold predictions and all of that stuff. And then it's playoff time, baby. I hope y'all are getting excited. I'll see y'all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.